Well, good morning, Chapel family. Good to be with you again this morning and good to be able to take some time and dig into the Lord's Word. I encourage you to take your Bibles out this morning. Turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. We're continuing in a series here looking at the life of faith. This letter of Hebrews was written to some discouraged believers who were ready to give up, to throw in the towel. The author has been encouraging them to hang in there. Hebrews, here in Hebrews 11, which is focused on faith, he is pointing us to what it is to live by faith. Because as verse 6 tells us, we saw a few weeks ago, without faith it's impossible to please God. Verse 1 of this chapter 11 begins with a description of faith. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And then instead of teaching us about faith, the author fills the rest of the chapter with stories of people of faith, heroes of the faith, living illustrations of what faith looks like in life. And as he does so, he takes us on a flyover of the Old Testament story. Many years ago, there was a doctor at the Mayo Clinic, a well-known doctor, uh, Dr. James C. Kane. He had the job of selecting medical students to be trained at the Mayo Clinic. All of the applicants had excellent grades, they had fine discipline, they had high motivation, they had good work habits. And so he searched and searched for some means to help him to differentiate between uh, the candidates to figure out who the best ones were. And he finally narrowed it down and determined that it w- one question would be the best clue to understanding who these students really are. He asked them, tell me of your heroes. In other words, who we choose as our heroes both reflects who we are and it affects who we become. And so we do well to look at these heroes of the faith here in Hebrews 11, to learn from their examples and to imitate their faith. Today we come to verses 30 to 35, and the author is beginning to wrap up our journey through the Old Testament. And we pick up today here in Hebrews 11 with a story from the book of Joshua. Read with me in verse 30. It says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. Last time we saw the people of Israel exit Egypt, and now they have arrived at the promised land. Before them stands the city of Jericho, a heavily fortified city with huge double walls. In order to get to enter Palestine and to take the land that God has promised them, they must get past this obstacle. They must conquer this city, but how do they do that? Well, God gives Joshua an attack plan. He goes like this. Get everybody together. Line them up. First you put the army, then followed by the priests, then followed by the Ark of the Covenant, then followed by a rear guard, and you get everybody together and you parade. You march around the city of Jericho. 
one time around the city for six days. And while you're marching, have seven priests who are blowing trumpets. But other than that, absolute silence. No talking, not a word. Then on day seven, the seventh day, you do the same thing, but not once. You do it seven times. And then, on cue, have everybody shout, and the walls of Jericho will fall down. And then simply take the city. And that is absolutely the craziest, most foolish, most impossible battle plan ever given. But amazingly, the people believed God. And they obeyed God. And, they, and then God did what he said he would do. And we see that their faith brought victory. Verse 31. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Rahab, before the attack on Jericho, Joshua had sent two spies into the city. Now, apparently their spy skills were a little bit lacking because their presence in the city quickly became known and and word got to the king that he sent troops out looking for them. But a prostitute named Rahab hid them. She protected them. And she asked that in return that the spies would guarantee her safety and the safety of her family when God delivers the city over to Israel. She knew God was going to do this. Her request was granted and her faith in God saved her. Verse 32 our text goes on to say, And what more shall I say? For time, would fa- for time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and of David and Samuel and the prophets. Our author says he's run out of time. He's already assumed that we know the stories, and so he's never given much detail when he, when he tells the stories, but just a little summary But now instead of the summaries, he just starts naming heroes who represent the rest of Old Testament history. First, he goes to the book of Judges. Under Joshua, the Israelites took possession of the land. And the next Old Testament book is the book of Judges. The Israelites settle in the land and they live there. And it begins a period of history uh, known as the, the period of the Judges. It lasted for 400 years. And he calls our attention to four of these judges. He names them Gideon. Takes you back to Judges chapter 6. Gideon was afraid. But when God called Gideon, Gideon obeyed. Even when God called him to reduce his already outnumbered army from 27,000 men to only 300. To face a massive army of Midianites who were oppressing the Israelites. God used Gideon's faith and his obedience to rout the Midianites using only trumpets and torches and clay jars. And he delivered the Midianites, excuse me, the Israelites from the Midianites' oppression. Then he mentions Barak. Judges chapter 4. The Canaanites had severely oppressed the Israelites for some 20 years with a very fearsome army that was supported by 900 Iron chariots. That was the equivalent uh, in their day of tanks today. God promised to deliver Israel if Barak would raise an army and fight the Canaanites. 
Barak obeyed and God did as he promised and they destroyed the Canaanites. Then in Judges chapter 13 to 16, we find the story of Samson who our author here mentions. Samson, you probably know the story from, from Sunday school. He was the strongest man to ever live. He delivered Israel from the Philistines when they were oppressing the Israelites. He killed more Philistines as he died than when he lived, when he literally brought down the house where the Philistines were using him for entertainment. Fourthly, our author takes us to one more judge, Jephthah, whose story is in Judges chapter 11. Jephthah was a great warrior, but before he became a judge, he was an outcast who led a band of rebels, which would be equivalent to a, a gang today. And he did that until the Lord God lifted him up, and from that time on, Jephthah was a man who was marked by faith in and by faithfulness to the Lord his God. Jephthah was the man that God used to conquer the Ammonites and once again to deliver the Israelites. Then the author of Hebrews leaves the book of Judges and moves on into 1st and 2nd Samuel. He mentions for us two more heroes by name, each of whom serve as representatives for two classes of other Old Testament heroes. The first is the kings and he names David. David, the great warrior of Israel, who you know the story, in his, in his youth as a young boy, he stood against and he defeated Goliath the giant. David became the greatest king of Israel. He was a poet and a musician. And above all, it was said of him by God himself. God said, David is a man after God's own heart. Then... The author of Hebrews goes on and mentions Samuel. Samuel was actually the last judge of Israel, but was also the first of the prophets. Serving, he served during the reign of, reign of King Saul, and he appointed David as Saul's successor. And he represents all of the prophets of the Old Testament, men like Elijah and Elisha and Isaiah and Jeremiah. Then in the next three verses here in our text, we find a description of victories of faith by all of the people that were listed above here in our text, as well as others who remain unnamed. It says, people who through faith conquered kingdoms, who enforced justice, People who obtained promises. God gave various promises to many of the Old Testament heroes. But probably especially he's thinking and has in mind King David who received the promises from God of the coming Messiah and of an everlasting dynasty and the everlasting kingdom of Messiah. It says, those who by faith stopped the mouths of lions... Now, Samson and David each killed lions with their bare hands, but probably it's referring, of course, to the story we know well of Daniel, who was spared in the den of lions. People who by faith, it goes on, quenched the power of the flames. Most surely it draws to, my, to our minds the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or otherwise known as Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, those three young men who defied the king uh, didn't bow down to the king's image 
and were put into the fiery furnace, and God delivered them. People who escaped the edge of the sword, those who were made strong out of weakness. By the way, it reminds us that uh, it's God's power, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, His power is made perfect in our weakness. It's not that these were super strong people, but they were made strong in their weakness by God's power. It says that they, people who became mighty in war, putting foreign armies to flight. It says people who by faith received back their dead by resurrection. Again, surely in mind, uh, he, he's drawing our attention to the widow of Zarephath, 1 Kings chapter 17, where Elijah raises her son to life. And also the, the Shunammite woman in 2 Kings chapter 4, where Elijah, or Elisha should be, uh, I mean, raised her son to life. These are all amazing stories, amazing victories, amazing heroes. What are we to learn from their lives that for us to apply to our own lives about being people who live by faith? Three big lessons I want us just to note this morning to learn from these heroes. The first is this, that God can and God does intervene often in great ways on behalf of his people when we respond to Him, and live by faith in Him. God can do the impossible to bring deliverance and victory to His people. We need to trust Him. We need to believe Him. We need to believe that God will do whatever He has said He will do, and that He can do whatever is necessary to accomplish His purpose. In that, we understand that God does things by different means. Sometimes he works through the miraculous, even as he did with Daniel in the den of lions and with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the furnace. But other times, God works through his providence in seemingly simple, ordinary things. For example, Rahab's protection of the spies and in their sparing of her it would seem perhaps just like coincidence. They just happened to meet her among all the people of Jericho. The one person who believed God, the one person who would help them, the one person who was desperately seeking for God. It was God at work through providence. But in light of those realities, we need to realize that there is nothing too big to ask of God. Sometimes, I think in our day, in overreaction to false teachers and charlatans and the whole name-it-claim-it heresies, we often fail to really believe that God can and does work miraculously and supernaturally. We say we believe that God is great, but sometimes we never actually expect God to intervene. I was reminded of a story of a dad who was watching his young son trying to move this big heavy stone, but the little boy couldn't budge it. Finally, the dad asked, he said, son, are you sure that you're using all your strength? The boy said, yes, I am, in exasperation. And then the father said, no, you're not. 
because you haven't asked me to help you. See, as James says, James chapter 4, you do not have because you do not ask God. The second lesson for us to learn is that the greatness here of these heroes is not found in the hero, but it's found in their God. God does great things, does great things through ordinary, even less than ordinary people. Some of these heroes of the faith, as you look back and read their stories, what you discover are greatly flawed people, but who at a critical time chose to believe God. Gideon, for example, he was neither a brave man nor a warrior. <laughs> but God called him, and even though he was terribly afraid, he obeyed God. Barak, when God called Barak as a judge to go deliver the people, he was afraid and he refused to lead the army against the Canaanites unless the prophetess Deborah would go along with him for his protection. <laughs> but he obeyed and Israel was rescued. Samson was a man who did great exploits, but generally he was motivated not out of love for God, but he was motivated out of pride, motivated out of vengeance, motivated out of a weakness for women. He lost his strength because of compromise with Delilah. You remember that story in a bad haircut. But faith made a recovery in his flawed life at the last hours of his life. And because of faith, he killed more Philistines in his death than he did in his life. In all of this, there is great comfort here for those of us who are less than average people. Because the point is that these heroes are not here because they are extraordinary people with extraordinary faith who did extraordinary things, but rather because they were ordinary people with simple faith in an extraordinary God who did extraordinary things through them. The third lesson I want us to note this morning from this text is that faith is the conduit for God's grace. Faith is what unleashes, as it were, God's grace in our life. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, It is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is God's grace that saves us, but it is through faith. The greatest miracle of all, and, and all of these stories have great and marvelous miracles in them, but the greatest miracle of all is God's grace in bringing sinners to himself. And it is significant that the author chooses Rahab as one of these illustrations of faith because her story is here to remind us that there is no one that is beyond the reach of God's grace. See, the fact is that some people think they're too far gone. God has no interest in them because they've messed up their life too much. Rahab, you see, seems, when we first look at her life, she would seem like one who's the bottom of the list of candidates for God's grace. When you're living in a wicked, depraved culture, and the people of your culture think that you're morally corrupt, you know you're in sad shape. That was Rahab. When we go back and read the story, what we notice is everyone in Jericho had heard the same things about Israel that Rahab had. 
They had all heard how God had rescued them from Egypt, how God had parted the Red Sea, how God had worked miracle after miracle after miracle for these people. They knew that God had promised the the Israelites this land. They even knew God's name, Yahweh. And all the people of Jericho, we discover, were afraid, they were terrified, and they knew they were doomed. But out of all the people in Jericho, only Rahab reached this conclusion, that Yahweh is the true God. And she believed that if she sought him out, just perhaps God would show grace and mercy to her and he would rescue her. And in fact, God did know her heart. And God had a plan for Rahab. God had an appointment to providentially bring the spies and her together. Because even as we learn earlier in this chapter in verse 6, remember, God is the rewarder of those who seek him. Because of her faith in God, she and her family were rescued from being destroyed with the city and the people of Jericho. But more than that, she became part of Israel, part of God's people. She received forgiveness from sins and a future in heaven. Ultimately, she ends up marrying an Israelite named Salmon. She became an ancestor of King David and ultimately an ancestor of Jesus Christ. Rahab is deliberately mentioned here, and her past as a prostitute is deliberately called to our attention here in this text for our encouragement. It's to remind us that God's grace is for anyone, for everyone who will come to him in faith. God loves sinners. Any who will trust him, he will not turn away. That means even you. He rescues us from our sin, brings us into into his family, and gives us an eternal home in heaven. He did it for Rahab, and he will do it for you. If you've never trusted him today, God calls you to trust Jesus as your Savior. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this amazing passage all of these stories of faith and the, to realize, first of all, that for anyone, anyone, for everyone who will place their faith in Jesus Christ, you rescue them from sin and give them eternal life. Then for all who believe in Jesus, you call for us to live as people of faith, Ordinary people like us, if we live by faith, you will do extraordinary things through us. Things that may seem very ordinary from our human eyes, but things that have everlasting and eternal value. Father, don't let us be, help us not to be content with just living ordinary life. Right.